way, a hyphenated word, love-filled. Maybe that would go well with anticipation. Today, our text does not specifically address Jesus' return. It's more looking at what life looks like in the meantime. How does love play a part in our lives as we wait for Jesus to come again? How does the first advent of God's Son reveal God's love for us? And that's what we listen for in our text today. Our text is 1 John 4, 7-16. I'll invite you to stand as you are able as I read that. <clears throat> 1 John 4, 7-16, reading in Jesus' name. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God... God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God, on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word to us this morning. Thank you for your love shown to us. And as John describes that in this section of a letter written to believers and now to us, Uh, I ask that you would help us to consider what your love means for us and for how we live together with one another and how we love one another. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a seat. There are a lot of different ways of describing any particular event in history or any particular subject that we might consider and discuss. There are different ways of telling a story or of expressing something that's true. And sometimes we might prefer one method over another. We might have different authors in the Bible that are our favorites to read. Maybe there are different books of the Bible that we really enjoy reading and we connect with. We might like some of the action stories. I kind of like some of those. We might prefer some of the action stories. When it comes to Jesus' life, maybe we like the instances where he's doing something, where he's healing someone. Or, uh, or doing some action. Maybe we prefer the parables, where Jesus is teaching a story. Uh, he's teaching in story, life lessons and lessons about God's kingdom. Maybe, like, maybe we like Paul's way of laying out arguments and presenting truth in that way. Um, John differs from that in his writing, in the way that he lays out arguments, but not in the same way of using concrete details with a logical flow to them, in the same way that Paul does. John uses a lot of repetition, coming back to the same thoughts and looking at them in slightly different ways and using slightly different words to describe them. Sometimes this means that what he says is somewhat vague, 
but it can also be very beautiful. When I read John, uh, my, my mind kind of tracks with the flow of details better. When I read John, I have to just stop and think about what he's saying. Pause, so that I don't miss what he's getting at. He starts out in our text here so simply with an instruction. Dear friends, let us love one another. Very simple, right? Very simple. Let us love one another. When we hear this, it might be very easy for us to say, yeah, yeah, that's a really good thing. I, I think loving each other is great. We might easily think of examples where we do show love for one another. And we might easily overlook those times where it's difficult to love one another because we like how this sounds. And we don't want to think about why, what reasons we might have for not loving people sometimes. We might like the idea of loving, but when it comes to living it out in our lives, we might easily give up on it if it gets to be a little too hard. We might also, as we consider what John says here, we might also take note that John talks about loving one another. And as he's writing to Christians in a church, in particular, he's talking about uh, love that Christians have for one another. Now, maybe we think this is limiting it too much if, we, if, we only talk, if he only talks about loving one another and not about loving those who are outside the church, who, who need the gospel, those who aren't part of us and, and part of our, our congregation or the church. Well, you know, I'm pretty certain that John isn't going to exclude anyone uh, from this instruction to love people, right? But I think there's something that we can consider here as we think about loving people, as we think about John particularly instructing uh, Christians who are together to love one another in particular. It's often sometimes easier to love those that we agree with and that we get along with. But if we notice that that sometimes causes problems for us and problems with how we treat other people, then we may intentionally try to act differently. And, uh, and then, with that in mind, we want to love people that are not part of our group. And so we intentionally go out to love others. And, uh, and sometimes it might be easy to say, well, I will love the ones that maybe the church or other Christians have a hard time loving. I'm going to go do that. And sometimes people can act very admirably with those intentions, as uh, while at the same time acting sometimes in unloving ways towards fellow Christians. But we might ask the question, what happens when those people that somebody might say, I'm going to intentionally love people that others aren't loving, which is great, we want to do that, but what happens when those people, maybe somebody in our life, starts to exasperate us and tire us out, and we get to the end of our love there? Could that happen? Someone said in the context of going to other cultures, as we were thinking about going to another culture as, um, as missionaries, that we might want to set a goal using the statement, when in Rome, do as the Romans. Meaning that we want to adapt ourselves to how they do things so that we can get to know them. But this same person pointed out that it's a little bold of a goal to do that, to set out to know and learn about and adapt ourselves to people that we don't know when we don't even adapt ourselves to each other, people that we do know. To put this in the context of loving one another, how do we think that we can 
love well those who the church has often not loved well when we still have trouble loving other believers. Now, of course, I'm not talking about you and me here, you know, those of us here. I'm talking about other people in other churches, you know, uh, who maybe have, are mixed up a little bit. You know, not us, of course. We never struggle with that, I'm sure. So when John, obviously, I don't agree with that statement. <laughs> so when John talks primarily about loving other believers, we could hear him saying this. Let's work on loving each other first, something that's hard enough to do. And then we can move on to loving others as well, which we really want to do, right? As we consider what John says about loving others, we are reminded of the same thing that we saw with patience and joy. We don't just get that way on our own. We don't get patience on our own. We don't kind of generate joy on our own. And we don't get love on our own either. John says, love one another for love comes from God. This is where love comes from. As we think about what we want our lives to look like, as we look back at the anticipation of Jesus' first advent, and as we wait in anticipation for his second advent, we first, as we think about our lives and loving others, we first look to the origin of where patience or joy or love come from. Love comes from God. John reinforces this idea with another statement. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Later on, he repeats this. God is love. Now, as I said with the, the, the statement to love one another, we might find that this is a statement that is also easy to say. God is love. It's an easy statement to believe. In the abstract, before we think about concrete reality, God is love. What a beautiful thought. I like the idea of a God who loves me. I like, the, I like that idea because it's so much nicer than an idea than an idea of God, of a God who simply wants to punish me. Or a God who wants to judge me. Or even really, a God who doesn't care and just lets me fend for myself. You might kind of like that idea for a moment, but, but actually when there's problems, we kind of want somebody there. But there are forces in this world who are conspiring to cause us to doubt that God is love. Satan would like us to believe that God is not love, that God is out for himself, that God cares nothing about us, that if we really want good things in life, we need to ignore God and what he says or what people say that he says. That's a temptation to go our own way. As we read the Bible... We might read in the Old Testament about the way that God dealt with people. And it's easy for many people to say, God is different in the New Testament. He loves people in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it was all about judgment and following all those rules. But even in the New Testament, even in Paul's writings and Peter's writings, and some of the ways that they talk about those who claim to be believers but in an outright way don't show it, their words can seem very harsh. Or, even as Jesus talks about the coming judgment, he talks plainly about what awaits those who reject him, who reject his message. We read those things, and there's a voice that is inside of us that can easily say, 
Can God really do that? Can God really speak of judgment if he is love? We see sickness and death and problems in the world. And we might understand that they come about because of our sin and rebellion and brokenness in the world, if we agree with God on that count. But we might still ask the question, especially when we see that those who, that those who are innocent of any crime, when we see them suffering at the hands of other people. Can a loving God allow that? Can that exist if God is love? Our sinful nature, in response to our conscience that tries to correct us, our sinful nature would like to say, how can a loving God not allow me to live out the desires that I have, that I believe came from Him? Why would He allow me to have those desires if they are wrong? Can a loving God really condemn people for an eternity in hell? These voices conspire and try to have us say, no, God is, God is not love. Not, not if he's like what the Bible says he is like, at least in some of those places. Our, our, our sinful nature, these voices try to conspire to, to get us to think that, to doubt God. But God demonstrates his love not just in the New Testament, not in just in places where we read about Jesus, but also from the beginning of the Bible in the Old Testament. He demonstrates his love when he gave a promise to Adam and Eve that one day a descendant would be born who would save them and all humanity. They received his promise with, really, who knows how much they really understood of what that promise meant. But certainly without, <coughs> certainly without knowing and understanding how much God was really promising as he told them that. And all throughout the Old Testament, every time God brought calamity on his people because they kept turning away from him, which really is also a sign of love, every time he also gave them words of promise and explained just a little bit more what it would cost him to save them and us. And quietly, at least quietly compared to hitting the front page of the newsstand, quietly, God himself, God the Son, entered humanity and was born as a baby. God not only looked down at us or controlled the world, and controlled humanity and history from the outside, he entered into our story and entangled himself with us. John says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. We could spend, we could spend hours breaking apart all this and what John is saying with these words. His one and only Son came into the world so that we might live through Him. So that we might live our lives. And our actions might be impacted by what He does. So that we might have life through the actions that He took. So many nuances to this idea that we might live through Him. But all of them good. All of them life. For us. <clears throat> and John highlights as he talks about us loving one another, he highlights again 
why it is so important to understand what love is and where it comes from. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Love originates with God. And adding to the idea that we might live through him, John gets even more specific. His son, God's son, was sent as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He does this so that in the place where we can only hope for death because of our rebellion against God, there is now, through Jesus, through God's Son, the hope of life. If we would have any doubt of whether God is love because of seeing his judgment on rebellion, because of seeing the eternal punishment that will come for those who reject him, because of seeing suffering in the world, or simply because our sinful nature does not want to admit that we are wrong and bad. If there is any doubt in our minds that God is love because of any of these things, we simply need to look at the lengths to which God went to show us his love. As we approach Christmas, we look at the announcement of this baby, born in poverty, born in humility, in a quiet place of the world, destined to grow up and give his life to save people who, without his work, are intent on hating him. That's what God's love has done for us. Dear friends, John says, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We might like the idea, thinking about Jesus as a baby, lying in a manger, the picture of innocence, we might say, a loving and caring family around him, even in poverty, a place of love. But even during Christmas, we are already thinking ahead to what would come later in his life. And as we think about what it means for us to love in this season of Christmas, I hope that all of that comes together for us in our minds. And that that is reflected in our lives as well. John says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. No one has ever seen God, not in all of his glory. God revealed himself through Jesus as he, being God, demonstrated and lived out what it means to be God in human form, if we can even wrap our minds around that. Similarly, not in the same way, but similarly, our lives, as God works through us, show God to others. So this is how it works itself out in our lives. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. This has the effect of both bringing us to trust in him, bringing us to faith, and also changing our lives to love one another. And it also results in what we say about God and Jesus. What we say about him is also produced by God's love. John says... And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Now, we have not seen him like John and the others did. 
But they received the testimony that we find in the Bible, that John and the others who did see Jesus have passed on to us. And so we testify to the same thing. The Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. This, testifying to this, is our delivery of God's love letter to humanity. We get to deliver that as we declare what Jesus did. And we deliver it as we do it in words and describe what God has done and also as we do it in our actions, as we love. First of all, one another, here, fellow Christians in other churches, and then also to those who are not Christians, who are not part of God's church. And this is how God works then in our lives. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God, John says. Acknowledging that Jesus is the Son of God is, in a way, a shorthand describing all of what that means and all of what that involves. The need for a Savior, His life, death, and resurrection for us, all of that is included in that idea of acknowledging Jesus as the Son of God. And so we know... And rely, John says, on the love God has for us. Christmas time is a reminder of God's love for us. During Advent, we look ahead to Christmas. As we seek to love one another and to love those who are not part of the family of believers, we remember what God has done in getting himself involved in our world. John concludes... God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. Now, we look ahead in anticipation for Jesus' return. We desire, as we wait, to wait in love-filled anticipation. Loving anticipation. Loving one another well. There are times where that can be hard. But we can look to the source of all love and be reminded that our anticipation is already love-filled because God has filled our lives with His love as He sent His Son to be our Savior. God is love. And He has shown that and demonstrated that in His actions for us. As we consider that, May he also work in our lives in such a way that it shows through our actions as we wait for Jesus to come again. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your care for us. Thank you for showing us your love all through history as you gave promises throughout the history of your people. And as you fulfilled those promises when Jesus was born, and as he lived his life and gave his life for us, and as he returned back to heaven with you, we thank you that there is the promise that he will come again, and all those who are trusting in him will have eternal life. Thank you for the love that you have given so that we can hear that news and, obey, and, uh, and uh, trust it and listen and love one another. Please help us to live our lives as a reflection of the love that you have for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.